0: So, yeah, whenever you guys get ready to start, just, like, y'all s- introduce yourselves. Jake, you be in that mic, though. And, um... <laughs> is your pilot <parlor> out? <laughs> <laughs> of course, fuck it is. How you like him? The lady with the paper hat asked me as she poured a little more coffee into my cup. That you say I said as a
1: sad smile spread across her face And I looked up
0: She said I'd take you to be a soft-boiled man I don't understand, I reluctantly confessed Listen, son, she said I
1: don't mean to upset you But you've got to know I'm going to have to break a couple of things to make your breakfast Just,
2: Just glad to see, you see a blue one and yellow morning.
0: egg at the break the of rain. Rain. Break 'em before you make 'em,
1: that's what they say. But you gotta break 'em before you make 'em, that's what they say. You gotta break 'em before
0: you make 'em, that's what they say. Welcome, how do you like your eggs? For people who love to eat, by people who live to cove. <clears throat> I'm Jake Lewis, and with my co host Anna Gowan, we aim to talk service with the industry of New Orleans in the best way we know how for a couple eggs and a glass of champagne. And I guess, first off, how do you like your eggs? Uh, I like
1: my eggs over medium with a kind of crispy edge.
0: This is Sam Gutierrez, kitchen manager <laughs> of Cafe Amelie and a close personal friend. I think I can do that.
3: So while Jake here uh, gets started making Sam's eggs the way he likes them, let's talk a little bit bit about it. Sam, you work brunch, so obviously eggs are something you know a lot about. Yep. Uh, How did you get started doing brunch? Tell us a little bit about brunch at Cafe Amelie.
1: Well, I started doing brunch at Cafe Amelie. I was living in the city and left a previous job and Mm -hmm. got a job there. never cooked brunch before, ever, mm-hmm. and it was just something that restaurant does, so I had to uh, jump right into it.
3: How long have you been doing that?
1: Probably six years, I think. Wow. I'm okay. bad remembering dates.
0: And so for our listeners, we are just coming off the back of Mother's Day, which is potentially the worst, worst. brunch shift you can possibly work. Yes. Uh, so I guess on that side note, how was your Mother's Day brunch?
1: Oh man, it was... Uh... It was great. (laughs) Well, if our listeners don't know this, in New Orleans, we were predicting uh, severe rainstorms all day for Mother's Day. Yes. And uh, for our listeners who do not live in New Orleans, uh, yeah, that didn't happen. So my restaurant, (laughs) which is mainly outdoor seating, we sort of had to hedge our bets and not seat our capacity outside. Because if it started pouring on our customers, well, then that would just be a nightmare. So, less, less frantic than usual.
3: Well, that's good. How many covers do you think you guys did for Mother's Day? Like,
1: maybe, like, even 200. Something around there. Yeah, that's a bad.
3: Solid, but not crazy. Yeah. Do you feel like you had to make kind of a big adjustment, like moving to brunch from what you were doing at your previous job?
1: Not so much. Mm-hmm. My uh, previous job was uh, working in a po-boy shop. And so volume cooking was something I was mm-hmm. already familiar with and brunch is just volume cooking with eggs and <laughs> customers being slightly more particular about things.
0: So yeah. I gotta ask, what was the weirdest special request you got? Well, we had a request for a person and no joke, salt allergy. No. I'm uh am I'm not a scientist. <laughs> <But> Maybe <I'm laughs> <laughs> <a baby. laughs> Yeah, you, you'd think that that would be fatal. Yeah, uh, I mean considering that's like in your blood and all.
3: <laughs> you know, yeah. your body can't exist without salt enough.
0: Exactly. Uh, so. uh, how, did, how did you get around that? I told my server that that was impossible.
3: We're gonna serve it the way it
0: is. Did they die?
1: Like, not, you can't leave me I, hanging. Not that I've heard that i've heard
3: okay there we go we're probably gonna get a really angry call after this I was like that was my mother actually well
0: your mother's not dead so there you go
3: (laughs) happy mother's day (laughs) (laughs) um no we personally um i also work brunch actually um so this is something that i find really like interesting to talk about uh had someone send back a smoothie because it was too cold yeah. Wait. Yeah, just like I just, just wanted to like marinate on that for a minute, like I did when it happened. Um,
0: did did you warm it up for him?
3: No, they just didn't want it. So.
0: Do they not understand how like time works?
3: <laughs> you would think that maybe <laughs> you could just say, "Well, give it a few minutes. I promise that'll fix itself." But no, sometimes it's better to just walk away. You yeah. know.
0: Yeah, no, let the customer
3: I, have it and just walk away,
0: or not have it and just sit there smoothieless while they contemplate the concept of time.
3: <laughs> no, I think it's I think it's really interesting to kind of like talk about brunch and like working in the service industry during brunch because for people that don't who don't work in restaurants or don't work in the service industry at all, I think there's kind of this perception of chefs and like what our lives look like, and it is very much like, oh, you work like really late nights. And then you, like, go out and you don't sleep, and then, you know, and I think it's totally different when you work in the morning and, like, kind of have to, like, be a productive human after the fact and, like, go throughout the day. How do you, I mean, do you feel like, I don't know, your experience is a little bit different than, like, your peers who work in more traditional, like, nighttime restaurants? We should
0: also point out, I guess, at this point that Sam also works in the French Quarter, which is just a weird animal in and of itself. And especially, like, not really geared towards day Daytime
3: people. living? No, definitely not.
1: Well, it's geared towards daytime drinking, so...
3: No, touche.
0: Yeah, that is fair.
1: Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say that working days does sort of give you a slightly different perspective. Because so many of your peers are complete nocturnal animals. Yeah, I mean, definitely. They're waking up when I'm in the midst of service, uh, just how they're dealing with purveyors, uh, just how their idea of the restaurant operates is insanely different, and that's whether they have a day crew coming in before them Mm -hmm. or if they're just opening up for only dinner. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, it's honestly what I've mostly known. I've certainly worked nights before in my career, but I've done majority days for most of what I've done, so it's something that I'm used to, but yeah, I don't get the getting ahead of work at one in the morning yeah. to go close out the bar and then do God knows what, turn around and wake up the two to do it again. Mine is just the same thing, but hours earlier.
0: I should note that I am a ex-sous chef who used to close down bars frequently, but I'm now a baker. <laughs> Uh, And also, I'm that weird guy you see who's kind of drunk at, like, 3 in the afternoon. Yeah. So I also super relate to this.
1: Well, that's a nice thing about working in New Orleans, though, is that we can be that drunk guy at 3 in the afternoon. It's not that weird here. (laughs)
3: Um, Yeah, we don't close down bars. We uh, go and drink moses and record a podcast in Mm -hmm. the middle of the day instead.
0: And open bars.
3: And open bars. There you go. What is it about your current job that has made you stay for six years?
0: Well, they're paying me good money,
1: the work's not that bad, the owners aren't that bad, and uh, as hectic and crazy as working in the quarter is, at least it's stable.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, there's there's always clientele, There's the slow season isn't even that slow.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, yeah. I haven't had a good enough reason to leave, I guess.
3: Have there ever been any moments where you've been... I don't know, tempt Because I think a lot of people, whether you like your job or not, there's kind of always been a moment where maybe oh. you are like,
1: "Wow." Yeah, someone come in and they said they had a salt allergy.
3: <laughs> and that's really just... Fair enough. The straw that breaks the camel's back, you guys. Think about that next time you go into a restaurant and lie about having a salt allergy. So I guess
0: on the back end of that, like, why did you first start in the service industry? Yeah. Uh,
1: well... I was in college and needed to work to make money, and uh, at the time, one of my really good friends was sous chef in a restaurant and got me a dishwashing gig there. So I was like 18 and just mm-hmm. washing dishes. And that's when I started in the service industry, and uh, my dad had been a cook for years before I was born. So just growing up, it was always like you know, just something you learned to do, mm-hmm. like. I can't remember the first thing I ever learned to cook but it's always been something that I've known how to do yeah so just doing it all throughout college and getting a degree I just I don't know, it was it was the kind of thing where once I actually graduated and had to figure out what to do with my life I realized that I actually had a knack for cooking and not what I had spent all this money and time learning and so I just sort of went into that
3: no, I had a very similar experience. Uh what is your degree in, can I ask?
1: Uh Mandarin Chinese with a minor in East Asian history.
3: I wish everyone could see my face right now because <laughs> I don't know what I expected you to say, but that was not
0: see, it, and uh, that's
3: delightful. Yeah,
0: I, I knew this I, ahead of time and I specifically said nothing for this exact moment.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's Which uh
1: is
0: also priceless.
1: Yeah, you wouldn't think it, but uh Yeah, that's that's what it was.
3: Can you still speak Mandarin Chinese?
1: Oh, a little bit. You know, years of drinking out of cooking Out cooking of and and practice. Not practicing it, yeah.
3: No, that's fair enough. I'm not going to be that person that's like, no, say something in Mandarin on the radio. Um, I don't wanna, I <laughs> but don't wanna know that I'm thinking it? <laughs> I wish you would.
0: On the other side, though, like, if you did leave, like, what would you... Can you see yourself doing anything else? Because that's like a question I ask myself a lot. It's like, if I was If I weren't like, doing that. Yeah, like, what would you do? Or want to do, even?
1: I I couldn't tell you. And that's that's why I'm still in the service industry. I can't think of anything that is even comparable.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: No,
0: I, I definitely get you on that one.
1: Yeah, like, I, I have some family that's in, like, the medical field, and they have a certain amount of stress that I would say is easily comparable, if not more. Yeah. And I think that's something I do thrive on a little bit in this industry, <laughs> but... Yeah, for sure. At the end of the day, I'd rather deal with, like someone's potential salt allergy versus someone actually dying because of my work, so, you know. Well,
0: I mean, just don't put any salt on anything, you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly,
1: exactly, but no, I, I think that's why I'm still in the industry. I can't think of what else I would ever do.
3: No, I, I definitely think that that's kind of, like, a common thread with a lot of service industry people because it's, like, personally... It's like, I don't know, I have never felt as passionate about anything else as I do about, like, food. And, like, being around food and cooking.
1: Yeah, like, if I stopped cooking, I guess I could try bartending, but that's not really leaking the service No, No. <laughs>
2: that's it's just not.
1: shifting. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: That's just called a pay raise, man. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, I know. It's damn bartenders.
0: Which we love you. Please listen to our podcast.
3: Yes, please. Everyone in the service industry listen to our podcast. Servers, we don't care that you make more money than us. We love you anyway.
0: You'll be next, I promise.
3: <laughs> Do you have any I don't know aspirations in terms of the the career field? or you
1: I'd like to own my own place at some point. Yeah. I think as someone who works in the industry and if all of us working in it, we yeah. understand how just giant of a crapshoot risk, that is Oh, but, absolutely yeah. yeah, whatever, I go bankrupt trying to do it That's just what happens But, you know, it's something I want to do And it'd be terrible not to try
0: No, exactly So what would Sam's look like?
3: Sam's place Is it a brunch restaurant?
1: Oh, God, no <laughs> <laughs> No, honestly, uh, I just I would like to just run a sandwich shop It's easy You can do a lot of creative things with it hmm it's really no frills, and yeah, your your expectations of like the customers in a sandwich shop yeah are low enough that when you say no substitutions, they're not going
0: to pitch quite the fit as
1: yeah, uh, higher it. end. Restaurant. I mean,
0: like, and like, arguably, but I feel like the expectations for lunch in general versus dinner, and also the creativity you're allowed to have, is just exponentially higher. Oh, or yeah. I mean, exponentially lower for the expectations, exponentially higher yeah. for the Fair amount for the of creativity. creativity.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, you can do all sorts of strange things, but at the end of the day, you're talking about a lower price point for everything you're selling. Mm-hmm. It's Lunch, yeah. you know. No. Because exactly. go out and drop like sixty dollars on a lunch. No, a lot. Less. Unless they're drinking a lot, but you know. Yeah,
0: Kay. fair enough. Um, you want to let Sam have some? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you, you do want
1: to? I got a picture. Yeah,
0: I'll right. eat some eggs. Sure. We're gonna like keep. Oh, be be Sam, here are your eggs.
3: I feel like I should like let you eat eggs a little bit Before we ask you mouthful questions
1: I'll talk with my mouthful
3: (laughs) (laughs) That's great for uh, audio quality I want to like run with Talking about sandwiches Because I think there is a lot of beauty In like a perfect sandwich And I think it's kind of an underrated Like food group The sandwich uh, In its simplicity
0: you know? I like on a side note of that. Like, I want to say, like, what do you think about like the new trend of like sandwich shops like winning James Beard awards and like becoming, like, s- like in the last couple of years, becoming such more of a big thing than they ever were.
1: Uh, yeah, but in terms of the medium of the sandwich, and then the weird accolades that sandwich places are now kind of
3: getting, the yeah,
1: and just. Uh, I mean, I think the medium's always been there. I mean, think of any major city, there's some specialty sandwich they Mm -hmm. have, there's something that they've done, it's not even just America, it's across the entire world, people are jamming crap between bread, it's just, (laughs) yeah, it's a thing, we all do it, it's an easy way to eat lunch, it's just, you can put almost anything between bread, and then there's, you know, just a goddamn thousand kinds of bread, there's so much you can do with it, that's sort of why I thought of that is what I wanted mm-hmm. to do.
0: It is, I mean, aside from eggs, like, everyone, go eggs, but I think it is, like, the universal like medium for just, like, whatever. Well,
3: you
1: can whatever. put eggs in sandwiches, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. You can put yeah. eggs however you like to eat them inside of sandwiches.
3: Yeah, it is kind of, like, endlessly riffable in that way. Yeah,
1: there's, there's a, just a cornucopia of things you can do with it. But uh, the accolades for it is I don't want to say I don't like it, because if someone has their business and are getting renowned for it, and accolades and awards and whatnot, that's great. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to poo-poo someone else's business and what they're <laughs> doing, but at the same time, like, I don't know, winning major awards for making sandwiches, I don't know. I can't even... The more I talk about it, the more it just seems like a thing that's totally fine. There's nothing wrong with it, but... I mean, it's a sandwich shop at the end of the day. Yeah.
3: No, I I get what you mean. I think there is kind of a, a like, preconception about, like, oh, well, when you talk about, like, the James Beard Award, or, like, Bon Appetit, or whatever, we're talking about, like, a certain... Not caliber, because I think that's... You would think it
1: would be a... Caliber of restaurant, but it's not. Yeah. yeah, I guess caliber is the wrong word because yeah,
3: because it's not saying that obviously like, you can't places
1: make- that win would be of that caliber, but just uh maybe just a certain style of restaurant.
3: Yeah, no, I think people often kind of exclusively think about like fine dining and like really well conceived food as like being like really upscale, like super conceptual.
1: But I guess we're living in a different era. We really are. What was it? They had a Michelin star awarded to some dumpling
2: stand
3: in a I was just yeah. and I was like
1: reading on hum- that. Hum- yeah. yeah, I think
0: so. Yeah, yeah. And then, like on the same note I like I think there's like a shift and more respect for lunch. Just in general. Yeah. And like yeah, yeah, yeah. than there has been in a very long time.
1: I think people are just starting to shy away from the pretension of high end restaurants.
3: Yeah, no, definitely. I think people are kind of yeah, coming away from almost like the pre. Tension? Not that, like, people who work in those kinds of restaurants are pretentious. Like, that's not what I'm saying. But I think it can be really intimidating to yeah. think about, like, fine dining. One,
0: well, and especially, and, like, when you're spending, like, you're going out, you're spending this much money, you feel, wrong. like, obligated to buy, like, a bottle of wine or some nice booze. As opposed mm-hmm. to, like, you can just, like, crack a couple beers and eat a really good sandwich. sandwich. And, like, yeah. have the same quality of food. Totally. And, like, I think that that has been a thing for, like, a really long time. That has kind of been relegated to like more of bl- like a blue collar thing that is just like now coming to the forefront yeah
2: and
1: also i think uh at least our general age group i remember like the hot cuisine trend being a joke as I was growing <laughs> up it's like here spend eighty dollars on a piece of parsley on the plate arrange just so
3: yeah it definitely seems like <laughs> yeah i think people the, are like, starting to go
1: away from that more and
3: more yeah, yeah.
0: I, as a as a man who made a large amount of money putting a, one cherry tomato over two slices of oranges on the side of a plate. I can <laughs> absolutely be happy that that is, that died the first death in the 80s and the second death with our generation.
3: Yeah, no, definitely. I think, yeah, the way our generation approaches food is a little bit different in a very, like, humble kind of way. Hashtag
0: I, millennials are killing Huck Cuisine. <laughs>
3: Put it alongside I don't know mayonnaise and department stores or whatever. Although, who's killing mayonnaise? Not me. No one. Certainly.
0: I can kill some mayonnaise. Like <laughs> just let me put that out there.
3: So, speaking of mayonnaise, uh, I would love what like describe your perfect sandwich to me, or just a perfect sandwich. Oh, like man. if you could yeah. eat a sandwich right now, that's deep. What would it be? Because I don't think there's like a platonic ideal of the perfect sandwich. You I was know, say
1: perfect sandwich. Good lord, that's no. that's some. Um... But really you, weird conceptual stuff right there. If you were uh, going to
3: make yourself a sandwich right now, or like make us a sandwich, what would be on it?
2: Uh,
1: well, it would probably be uh, I don't know, like 12 grain bread, mm-hmm. green mustard, mayonnaise, okay. arugula, aroma tomatoes, uh, ham, and turkey, because I have that in my fridge at my house, and that was what I am going to. Go eat after this. <laughs> it's on <laughs> the brain enough. a little bit. Yeah, it's you know it's a thing I have, but uh, I mean, perfect sandwich. There's so many variables in a sandwich. It's like to some people, it's going to be a cheesesteak, Could mm-hmm. be a Reuben. It could be a Cuban. There's listeners. Yeah, it
0: is a Reuben for me. I'm just gonna. Yeah, Jake's there.
3: perfect sandwich is in fact a Reuben. Yeah, I mean, do you feel like I don't know the the po' boy in the category of sandwich. Like, how do you? I don't know, do you feel like it is almost too regional or that it has to, like, fit too many guidelines to kind of be the same thing?
1: I mean, having spent
3: a long you know, time, yeah. few years,
1: yeah, like, making po'boys myself, uh, I don't know, I mean, I, I think the only thing, and I'm not sure if this is what you were asking, but, like, seeing po'boys existing outside of, like, the Louisiana Southern Gulf area... Mm-hmm. The only thing I can really question about it in terms of like authenticity, yeah. if it is a po' boy, is more related to like what their French bread's like mm-hmm. than really any other factor. Because you want to put, I mean, there's, you got your cheeseburger po' boys, there's shrimp,
3: there's roast yeah.
1: beef, you can make you pretty can... much anything on French bread and call so it a po' boy, but it's got French bread.
3: Yeah.
0: Well, and more specifically, even as like. As someone who sells the po boy knockoffs and is a baker myself, like, <laughs> I'm just gonna say, like, if it's not in Leidenheimer's, then I just don't trust it. Yeah, vendors ain't that. Yeah, it's, eh, it's alright.
3: No, I mean, I kind of feel the same way about, um, going somewhere and, like, seeing, like, a banh mi on the menu of somewhere that is not, like, exclusively a Vietnamese restaurant. I'm like... You know, I feel like you've got to meet a lot of qualifications, bread especially, to kind of, like, make a really good um, banh mi. Because for people who maybe don't live in New Orleans, like, our Vietnamese population is so kind of, like, expansive oh, yeah.
0: that... Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, like, I mean, honestly, stomach. like, if you're just, if you're not doing Don Fong, you're just, you're not. Oh, oh also, please, uh, please sponsor us. Yeah. Don <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine what your price point is. you sell loaves of bread for like twenty cents, so Did i mean i would apple?
3: do a I would do a dong fong ad for twenty cents.
0: I do it for a fucking king cake
3: <laughs> <laughs> fair enough man at the like at the end of the day, like when you were leaving a shift, maybe it was shitty, maybe it wasn't, maybe it was actually a really good day like what do you look back on and are like that is kind of what? made this day like worth doing or like worth doing again coming in tomorrow and doing the same thing like is there kind of something you would point to and say that's a
1: good question I know
3: it's a weird thing to think about
1: honestly I think it's just because I work days and Mm -hmm. so I have a night shift that follows me Mm -hmm. I've been doing this for years there's just some certain element of going in in the morning and having to see the aftermath of an entire different service yeah. that I had no part in really like i don't know how many covers they've done mm-hmm. i'm not sure exactly what happened in the kitchen and just being able to take that make it into my own service and get all my prep done get all my service out make mm-hmm. people all this food have my staff doing what they're doing and Just somehow taking, like, this disorganized chaos, and it's not like it's that disorganized, but still.
3: Just going in
1: moderately blind and being able to somehow, you know, make money for the restaurant. Like, that's my living. It's just going in and somehow making all this happen.
3: Pulling it all together.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's honestly, as, as much as I hate those days, it's the days where it's like really going in yeah and like somehow it's like i i managed to do it mm-hmm. i i beat that obstacle and yeah that's that's the end of the day it's yeah.
0: great do you still get like i mean for me like personally like i always had this weird like addiction to just like clearing the rail and that weird like adrenaline rush you get off of like just clearing a rail of tickets and just like seeing that emptiness Oh, yeah, like no, the, yeah that's, uh, that, that ain't just you, man.
1: Yeah. No, that, like, <laughs>
3: addictive sound of just, like, stabbing a ticket oh, after yeah. the fact. You're just like, oh,
1: oh yes. so satisfying. <laughs> just that, that breath you get to take when, like, the last ticket gets stamped and before the machine starts croaking at you again. Oh, it's oh, yeah.
2: that's great. Oh, I
0: and mean, like, that, that weird moment, like, you'll get, like, three hours of just getting crushed in that, like, one half of a cigarette, like, right outside the door.
3: We should turn this into an ASMR podcast instead and just do, like, ticket-punching sounds like, <laughs> sliding across the rail instead. I'll
1: just do the inverse, and we'll buy a ticket machine and just constantly run tickets. Oh.
3: I will Ooh.
0: absolutely not listen to that.
3: It's just gonna haunt my dreams I, as Yeah, though... As though it doesn't like, already, actually, that sound.
0: Yeah, I already hear that in my sleep. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, I think that's universal.
3: Definitely. <laughs> yeah. uh,
0: I was just thinking to myself, I was like, how could I be more anxious at work? <laughs>
3: Do you, because I have, like, kind of an identical experience at the kitchen where I work. Like, working in a day crew and coming in at the beginning of the day to see, like, kind of what the night crew has done. And then, yeah, and then kind of at the very end of my day, like, seeing them come in. And there's just, like, this little bit of overlap. Have you ever felt like there was any, like, tension between the day crew of your restaurant and the night crew of your restaurant. Not necessarily, like, negative, but I don't know. I feel like there's almost, like, a competitive nature where I work um, between, like, working in the day and working at night. And, like, you want to compare those experiences.
1: I mean, I've certainly encountered it once or twice Mm -hmm. because, I mean, I'm just constantly prepping or doing something, you know. If everything I've done is set up, I'm just prepping for my night shift so they can come in and do less. And it's yeah. just, I mean, that's what you do, yeah, right? Definitely. Yeah, exactly. Definitely so I've, I've certainly had some employees who feel like slightly put out where it's like, well, they're not doing as much.
3: Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm.
1: well, yeah. But you can... that's, just, that's just what we do. No, I'm, it's
3: just kind of, yeah. Honestly, if I can have a day where I'm leaving my night
1: shift coming in with pretty much nothing to do, then I feel like I've succeeded.
3: Yeah, no, because I think there's something very, like, satisfying in its own right about being, like, now you can just have, like, the best, <laughs> smoothest service Here's your preplice. There's
1: two things on it. Yeah, exactly. Have right. fun, guys. I also, like,
0: it's not, I wouldn't necessarily file it under competitive, but that's just, like, when you do everything that, like, they could do, and then you get, like, kind of competitive with yourself... It was like, can I knock everything out for the entire day? I, and you have that drop the mic moment on your I way out? I guess that, yeah, that, that would be the competitive <laughs> edge to it. Yeah,
1: where it's like, hey, by the way, I did all my prep and, and yours. All your prep. Like, oh. you're welcome. I'm going to go drink a beer.
3: Okay, bye.
0: What is, uh, I don't know, I guess what would be the most, I guess not satisfying, but, because we already covered that, but the, what would be, like, the strangest, like, shift change you've ever had.
3: Yeah, was there any kind of, like, strenuating circumstance? i no.
1: got to think for a second. Um,
3: it's okay. Six years, uh, just kind of, like, flip back through those Yeah, pages, I mean, yeah I'm trying quick. to
1: think of, like, any any of the numerous weird things that have happened cooking in the quarter that, like, <laughs> this, this was a thing. It's only uh, your whole life, you know. You know. know. Up. Yeah, yeah, right? Uh there's certainly been enough times we've had to like fire someone during the day and that was the fun shift over of like hey like there's someone outside our gate like really mad right now who used to work here a few hours ago so that certainly happened uh
0: well and I mean it's the quarter so obviously no one gets drunk after I, they get fired
1: I, I think I <sighs> no think what takes the cake though was uh I work in a second story kitchen oh and yeah yeah it's very really, common
3: it's in the quarter for people a little who's
1: rough but uh our one of our main AC units is in an attic space above our kitchen, and so we had it serviced, which, you know, crazy yeah. service, but the guy servicing it this one time was a little too heavy set to really be wandering around in our roof.
2: <gasps> <laughs>
1: oh so uh this is maybe like forty minutes to open, this <laughs> guy's foot just goes completely through our ceiling, brings down a beam. So I have to redo oh, no. everything. <laughs> Every dish has to get washed. I mean, there's just yeah, because there's dust, dust everywhere. everywhere. We have to Jesus. figure out with this hole. And so I had the the fun time of my night crew coming in, and seeing just because we had to wait until the next day to get contractors in. They couldn't yeah, come out. No, of course just, yeah. no. just seeing like all the trash bags stapled to the ceiling, covering this giant hole. <laughs> so
3: we're like, well, ha- have fun, hey guys! You,
1: you can't use the ceiling fans today.
3: Don't worry about it. Uh, we'll You'll deal with fine. it tomorrow. Just yeah, don't that, even that's look at probably it. One. That's a pretty good one. Yeah. I do think there is kind of the interesting obstacles. I feel like often during the day shift, that's when things have to come in and get serviced because that is when people Oh, yeah. I, I've work. worked around. Yeah.
1: i repairmen, open repairmen, like people fixing coolers, things like that. It mm-hmm. just, it always, yeah. I yeah,
3: know.
0: Well, and especially like, it's, you're there when deliveries are there. Like I feel like that oh. part is is never really taken into consideration. It's like
1: honestly, I I prefer it because then if something's wrong, at least something
3: you're there, the one who yeah, looking at yeah. it. Yeah, fair, fair. Oh no, I hate checking in deliveries. It's my least favorite <laughs> task.
0: I, don't, I I I used to hate it, but I feel like I'm. This is a broad statement, but I like the delivery drivers in New Orleans like more than any city I've ever lived in by like a wide margin. I have never been on a first name basis with my delivery drivers in any other city. And part of that's just me being a dick. And part of that <laughs> is like we just have nice delivery drivers.
1: I just like the idea that if something's coming in and it's wrong somehow, I'm there and I can immediately rectify that instead mm-hmm. of like relying on someone on a different ship to catch yeah.
0: the thing or Yeah. You know? Like, like just generally doesn't care as much as you do. Yeah, right.
3: No, I think it's kind of like a, a New Orleans thing in general too, to just be very, like, I don't know, jovial and on, like, a first-name basis with the people that right. you, like,
0: know. Right, and, like, I mean, especially it's like, like, I always, like, have a, like, no matter where I've worked, I've always had a cup of coffee going. And it's, like, it's amazing, like, how much of a difference in your deliveries it can just be. just, like, do you want a cup of coffee, man? Like, I just made a pot. Mm-hmm. And, like, for me, it's, like, it's crazy that they're always, like, kind of shocked about that. It was, like, no, man, like, It's not my fucking coffee. Like, (laughs) I didn't buy it. Like, do you want a cup of coffee?
3: Yeah.
0: And, like, how far that goes. Be nice to your delivery drivers. Mm
3: -hmm. They have a
0: stressful job.
3: Yeah. Public service announcement, you guys, be nice to your delivery drivers.
0: They park in the quarter for a living. That just sounds stressful in the description.
3: Ugh. Yeah, you couldn't pay me to do it, actually. No, I kind of want to shift gears a little bit and talk about, because you mentioned that your dad was a cook for mm-hmm. a long time, and I think that in itself is like a really kind of common experience um, it's not like a curse because that sounds negative, but I know so many people that are like, my parents worked in the service industry, and I was around it all the time and so it was kind of like what I knew and like, I knew immediately that it was what I wanted to do Do you want to talk a little bit about, like, growing up with a parent who worked in the service industry and kind of what that was like?
1: Well, when I was growing up, like, by that point in time, my dad had left the service industry because I'm a middle child, so he had gone to just greener pastures (laughs) with money and benefits and, yeah, like, he he works in computers, but just the holdover of him and my mom who've both worked in service industry at various points, it's to me it was just like going up to restaurants and having a better appreciation for it.
2: Mm-hmm. Like,
1: you know, that it was I mean, we're the service industry and it's really that they're the people working in your kitchen and serving your food, they're doing you a service and you yeah. should be happy about that. Mm-hmm. Like, there's so many customers who are just (laughs) terrible. Yeah. You think that the service means you're a servant, but it's, no, you're paying for the service of someone doing this for you. Yes. And I think growing up and, you know, cooking things on my own and having my dad cook for our family and just seeing all of that, going out to eat Mm -hmm. was, you you get that experience of, like, someone's doing it for you. Mm -hmm. And I think that more than anything else, they instilled in me that that was a... it's a treat. It's a, yeah. it's a pleasure yeah. that you get no, to exactly. indulge in. And so I've always loved going out to restaurants. It's great. Now I get to just kind of be in one all the time and do yeah. that for other people.
3: You get to make a treat for other people. Yeah.
0: All right. And I like. I distinctly, like, so your your family was, like, a very much, like, big cook at home. Oh,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. All
2: right.
0: So, yeah, like, I definitely, like, I think that, like, that's lost on like a lot of people who grew up eating out so much is like mm-hmm. that it was like an experience like you go out you like you have like oh, yeah, the special like, moment you
1: know, maybe once or twice a month or something I mean
0: no no exactly like same yeah. so when we
1: did it was it was a uh, it was an experience and the other thing, probably the better part of all of it is if you weren't behaving yourself they'd just drag you out to the car and you get to sit there. <laughs> And think about all the yeah, you, wonderful eat, food you're eat not eating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, yeah man. because you should behave yourself in a restaurant.
3: Yes, yeah. yeah. And if okay. you have kids, you should make them behave themselves yep. in restaurants. That
0: that yep. is respect, right there.
3: Is there any like one experience that when you look back on like being a kid, you're like, oh man, this was so memorable.
1: I'd say there's like two. One is specific and one is a bit more general. That's so, okay. uh, both my parents are New Yorkers, so, I grew up in western Massachusetts, hmm. but we would go down around Christmas and go see friends and family down there, and, uh, we would go and, uh, I mean, I can't even remember the first time I did it, but going out to, like, Flushing Queens and eating dim sum, oh, and just Oh, wow. The- somehow organized chaos of all these people wheeling around steam carts full of, like, various pots of things you get to point at and get. That was just, uh, it was just an experience that made me really, really love restaurants, because if you haven't done it, you should. It's great. It's, uh, it's better than brunch. It's Chinese brunch. (laughs) It's it's delightful. uh, Fair enough. So that was cool, just seeing how, like, you know, an entire dining room full of people can be pointing at things on carts and somehow that works like yeah, the older I got system. going down every year and doing this it just sort of formulated in my brain that like there's, like there's something behind all this it's yeah. not just people walking out with some random things, it's like no, someone's planning like what's on this, what's mm-hmm. on this cart like how many people are pointing at this thing, oh we have to do more of that Yeah. Do
0: you do you think that like being like exposed to that culture so young and it being such a formative part of like you growing up is, like, why you went to college for what you did?
1: Uh, maybe oh. a little bit, but, uh, no, I did that, uh, my, my high school offered Chinese as a language course, and I took it. You were just kind yeah. of, like, taken. Yeah, when I was in college, I already kind of knew how to speak it a little bit, so I thought it would be easy, and it wasn't quite true.
0: You took but Mandarin Chinese because you thought it would be easy.
1: It, it, it's easier than doing something else, like math, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough.
3: Only in the service industry, you guys, do you hear someone say that.
1: Yeah, but the, uh, the other thing was I have a, I have a bunch of family on my dad's side that still lives in Spain.
3: Oh, wow. And okay. when I
1: was 12 or 13, we went there to visit all our family there. And, mm-hmm. uh, I went to what is, as far as I know, the oldest standing restaurant in the world that's still operational. It's in Madrid. It's called Botin. And uh, just going there and, like, eating their food, it was really good food, and that was cool, but just the idea that, like, yeah. Something that's sole purpose is serving food can exist for beyond human lifespans. I mean, yeah. centuries yeah. was kind of impressive, mm-hmm. you know. That's a- I'm sure everyone wants to leave some sort of legacy. Yeah, that, is
3: that like was the like ultimate
1: super immediate. Is like, oh man, like certainly can't paint like some masterpiece, but yeah, I could totally make a sandwich that could last for
0: a hundred. Yeah, I mean, especially, like, I mean, you have, like, your second generation cook, like, you have a direct experience with, like, how, on a side note, me and Sam have known each other for a while. So, on a side note, like, I mean, just, like, your, like, weekly calls with your dad, like, hashing out recipes, like, that is, like, to me, like, that is one of, like, the highest points of working in the service industry and cooking food is, like, being able to, like, share it with your parents, share it with the children, like, have recipes mm-hmm. that last. Yeah. I mean, I still, like, I still cook food my grandma taught me how to make. Yeah. Yeah, but exactly. Like
1: it's, you know, there's something to be said of food is like, a legacy or a more more eternal thing than you.
0: Yeah. Yes. No, exactly. There's a kind of permanency in it, in something that's, like, so finite and mm-hmm. just, like, immediately I was like, you, you know, takes you 10 minutes to eat a sandwich, but, like, that sandwich recipe has been around for three four generations exactly
1: exactly like you're you're consuming something you're turning into poop a while later but (laughs) the more abstract idea of it yeah that could last for hundreds or thousands of years i mean yeah Mm
2: -hmm.
0: i mean we have we literally have like salt-packed sardines on the table right now as a little snack while the eggs were cooking and i'm pretty sure they've been doing that for god (laughs) you know? <laughs> since Rome yeah, exactly. Exactly.
3: no I do think it's so interesting the way that like when you think about it food is maybe the most like concrete way that we tie to like memories of like people you know it's like food and music are like the two universal things that just kind of transcend and become the way that we like think about our ancestors and like what they were doing
1: well it's like I, I love music I love art, they're both great, but food's probably the only art form that's necessary to human life.
0: That's Honestly, true. I can't, like, I can't tell you who was at my, like, 12th birthday party. I can't tell you the names of my 12-year-old friends. I can't tell you the, like, what we're even doing. But I can sure as shit tell you what we ate. Wait,
3: yeah. please tell me more about 12-year-old <laughs> Jake's 12? birthday party!
0: It was a Ghostbusters cake, and it was amazing. And <sighs> then, also, it was hot dogs, because I love hot dogs.
3: Yeah, I mean, to this day, still love hot dogs. Yeah,
0: I had one yesterday. It hasn't changed. Still love hot dogs.
3: Uh, Another thing that people have been doing for a very long time that is still wonderful. Here's
0: a question. Uh, Approximately how many meals have you eaten over a trash can?
1: (laughs) I've lost count, man. Oh, man. Yeah, there's there's just that that great cook stance where you're sort of hunched over a little bit over the trash can, yeah. and elbows out. And just...
0: Yeah. Well, it can't fall on your coat, so you gotta like yeah, you gotta back up a little bit over the trash can.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, I mean, that's that's got to be universal. But, I don't care yeah. where you're cooking. Yeah, but that's, it's so that's like
0: yeah. you can't get it on your coat. There's like this perfect, I, I want to say like 35 degree angle for eating <laughs> over a trash can, where it's like you can't go the full 45 because it will start to hurt your back, which is already hurting, but you can't do fifteen because you can spill it on yourself. So there's like that, that twenty five to thirty five range that is the ideal squat for trash can no, overeating.
1: I, I think being a cook has given me more of a taste for cold food.
0: Yeah. No I mean like
3: No, I don't I don't think there is a number for how many like trash can meals I've eaten and then how many uh like times I've just like eaten in the walk in in hopes that no one is gonna like come in and watch me yeah. like, see me eat in the walk in.
0: I mean, like I'm—I'm I'm not gonna lie. Like there have been times where I'm like doing inventory with my clipboard, and I distinctly keep my snack in between pages in the inventory <laughs> sheet, <laughs> just so I can flip it back down and hide it.
3: I just imagine you like setting the clipboard down for a minute, and no, someone—no, can... <laughs> never. No, the clipboard does not.
0: The, the clipboard doesn't move. If you're—I mean, if you're feeling real fancy, you can bring the milk crate into it.
3: Oh, and do a little sit. Yeah, Whoa. but you gotta do—you gotta do Who the cap. Who are you?
0: You gotta do the Captain Morgan leg, like you're about <laughs> to stand up at all times. Uh, nah.
1: yeah. Sittings for cigarette breaks. Meal breaks
0: are taken very quickly. Nah. In the mm. trash
3: can. Um Do you do you eat eggs every day as a brunch cooker or are you kind of like not over eggs because that can't happen to people?
1: Uh, I'm not over eggs, but no, I I just don't eat that much at work to be honest. That's I'm too fair. damn busy. Yeah. Yeah, eggs are like something I'll do on the weekend now, like when I'm not working.
3: Not, like, normal people weekend, but, like, my... No, like, Your Monday, Tuesday.
1: Yeah, exactly. My off schedule weekend. Yeah, that
3: thing. My favorite is when people are like, oh, what are you doing this weekend? And I'm like, like, the literal weekend or my weekend, (laughs) which is Wednesday, Thursday. Because, you know, actual weekend, I will be here. And you know that. Because you'll be here, too.
0: Service announcement. If you know any cook who works on the week... Or who doesn't work on the weekends, they're not that good at their job. <laughs>
3: <laughs> this is the kind of thing that later uh, Asher is going to be like no, maybe I shouldn't put that in the podcast because that could be a little bit of a turn off are
1: am really going right to do rid us some bad Yelp review uh, <laughs> and, uh, we're immune to those here uh,
0: find us Yelp, I dare you
3: what is it that I've when people are like oh they hate us on Yelp like those little stickers I love
0: that. Yeah, oh. I wasn't Sorry, I real this. That's my bad. No,
3: that's okay. Oh, I had it. There's I think part
0: one. of it's me. Part of it's just that we just finished a bottle of champagne.
3: Uh, I mean, yes. Um, it's not a brunch conversation unless you're drinking a mimosa. I will say that much. No, I was gonna say. Uh, do you ever get the opportunity to go eat brunch? Uh,
1: I I guess As I could. I'm but you sure rather There are places not... that do Monday Tuesday brunch. I'm sure it exists somewhere. It's got but to. But... As a just no, I'll eat breakfast or mm-hmm. I'll eat lunch. I, I I'm not a big fan of brunch personally. I'm glad it exists because it pays my bills. Yeah. And that's great. <laughs> but uh, yeah. No, I I I feel very secure in myself getting drunk at breakfast. I don't need to. You make don't a new need a meal. special yeah. meal for yeah. it. There's make no pretense. Yeah.
3: No, I- I think that kind of, like, brings up an interesting thing, where it's, like, this concept has always been around. Like, oh, eating on the weekends, like, drinking while you eat, like, breakfast, but it feels like, like, capital B brunch has become this very, like, millennial, like, last few years thing, like, people have this conception of what brunch is now. As opposed to, like, I mean, brunch has always been a thing. There's always
1: been brunch. Uh, Honestly, and I think it's a big part of it, but I think in our generation, and Mm. I'm not sure what the cause is, and maybe this is all just anecdotal, but I think the the American drinking culture has seen sort of a resurgence in our particular generation. I don't know if it's because uh life is just miserable and we want to get drunk, but... (sighs) You know,
3: that's not untrue.
1: I think that might be part of the the new chicness.
0: Yeah, like it's the more millennial acceptable version of the martini lunch. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Like
3: you're saying, a modern day Don Draper would be drinking a mimosa. <laughs> oh, he an aperol spritz man. Oh, there yeah. you go.
0: For sure.
3: Okay, speaking of non sequiturs did either of you guys see that New York Times opinion article that was like the aperol spritz is bad? Why are people drinking them? And it personally offended me.
0: I mean, I don't hate that. like it's I'm. It's not a like, bad cocktail. I'm a Negroni yeah, man myself. Like if I'm drinking an aperol, like
3: you would rather have a Negroni. Yeah, because yeah, like it I, it I don't
0: know. I I love Campari, but I'm old now, and it gives me heartburn. <laughs> <laughs> like
3: full
1: of RDA, not bad. It's yeah. okay. I'm
3: yeah. young and Campari gives me heartburn. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had um, yeah. the... <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Great. I know what we're doing after Swear to
1: God, it's not that bad. You gotta try it. I used to live with a bartender and I swear to God, he swore by this. Campari and Coca-Cola. That sounds good.
3: I would totally drink <laughs> that. Yeah, you know give what? It, give it oh a try. Oh my God. Okay, pro tip, everybody. At home, yeah. Give it a try. Campari and Coke. It, it's
1: better than it sounds and maybe not as good as you'd imagine, but still.
3: No.
0: Yeah, but at least we have a plan for the wrap-up.
3: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm gonna go to the bar and sound like a real asshole. I'm like, can you give me a Campari and Coke? Um, Wait, actually, we're on the
0: subject of cocktails, because I love asking this. Like, what is your favorite cocktail? Mm-hmm. We're in New Orleans, you have to have one. shot of a whiskey and a cheap
1: beer. Yeah... They mix in my stomach. That's a cocktail.
0: Boilermaker doesn't count. <laughs> alright, alright, alright.
1: <laughs> oh, favorite cocktail, man. It doesn't well, have to be
2: good. I, I don't
1: really drink cocktails that often. But yeah, probably either like a Boulevardier or maybe an old-fashioned. I mean, I, mm-hmm, yeah. I mean I'm, a, solid. I'm a whiskey drinker. Uh, actually, you know what? And I will say this, and it's not what you would think living in New Orleans, but in actual daiquiri. Not a New Orleans daiquiri. Like a Hemingway. Actual daiquiri. Yeah. Rum and some sugar muddled with lime and ice. Like that's when it gets hot as fuck down here, man, that's that is a good drink. And it's not quite as
3: diabetic
1: as the normal New Orleans daiquiri. I mean,
0: like don't get me wrong, like I love that but like come come July you can just find me outside of jeans.
3: Fair enough. Oh I do love I I have a very distinct weakness for a frozen cocktail. Yeah, I do think it's interesting that it's like, okay, well, some kinds of cocktails and drinks are, like, acceptable to drink at brunch. But if you're like, oh, I'm going to order an old-fashioned at brunch, people are going to be like, I Like, I don't what? know, like, I is feel like, beer a brunch drink? Have you ever had a beer Yeah,
1: actually, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's usually what I drink on
3: I the weekends. I love a beer uh,
0: that's, that's just a brass monkey to those of us over our 30s.
3: Yeah, sorry for that. But. I
1: don't put my pinky up when I drink a brass monkey. <laughs> <But laughs>
3: that's a different story.
0: You're right. You're right. The weight differential is different. <laughs> different cocktail. Okay, so I guess we're we're kind of getting into wrapping up. What is your favorite place to eat right now? Like,
3: oh, that's a good.
1: In the in New Orleans,
0: yeah, your favorite place to eat. Yeah. Sure, uh, didn't man, have to be all uh, all time. Just like should your get right uh, now?
1: Recently, one of my favorite places to eat: Small Mart.
3: Really? I fucking love Small Yeah, yeah.
1: the people who know about it say the exact same thing. And like, as a avid omnivore,
2: mm-hmm.
1: they have no meat on their menu, and god damn, it is still so good. <sighs> <sighs> the food, oh, I don't know.
0: I love it, but, like, I just remember, like, what was there before, when they, like, used to sell cigarettes that were, like, slightly unwrapped and oblong-shaped for, like, three bucks. I miss. I miss the... I miss the dirty cheap quarter cigarettes that were even better than Sydney's. Yeah,
1: that that is nice, but uh, paying five bucks for like a pint container of curry is also really. really yes, nice.
0: yeah. I can't say none of that.
3: It's definitely a hidden gem for people who like have never been there. Like, yeah. excellent plant-based, just like delicious, cheap.
1: Yeah, visited, it's like. quick. It's cheap. It's in a place that you're not going to get just mm-hmm. swarmed by tourists. Yeah, they had like, some write up like right before French Quarter Fest and I was like scared yeah yeah it was like places to eat during French Quarter Fest no. and they were no. on that list and I was like god damn it
3: dude that is such a New Orleans feeling of being like oh this like really great restaurant that like only locals know about like there's never a line and then all of a sudden it's like oh Southern Living Magazine it's like how,
1: how much were they trying to sell jeans for?
3: God, it's in oh. the millions, right? <laughs> yeah, it was
0: like five million bucks. Yeah, so oh. there, there you go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That, that is the proper reaction to that. Oh, man.
3: Like, I don't I'll oh, go get that... my hot sausage somewhere else, I guess. Yeah, right? No. <laughs> no, I won't. Make a
0: stand.
1: <laughs> though I, I will say this about New Orleans food. I, I wish that that was more of a well-known cowboy. Yeah, it's really. Like, I feel like, yeah, yeah, for how ubiquitous it is in this city, I feel like people know about roast beef or shrimp or oyster. Yep, totally. Yeah. And those are things they think of, but, like, I feel like that would just give them a better idea of just heat level in food in this city, and, like, mm-hmm. what we find just day-to-day acceptable, and it's, like, hot sausage. Like, maybe, maybe just at the airport, have, like, a mm-hmm. chopped up patty with uh. toothpicks, and it's, like, eat this, and then you know where you can go eat. Right,
3: it's got <laughs> as hot, soon as people get got got off It's got hot the sausage point. in the name. Yeah. Um, do you feel like you had to go through any kind of, like, adjustment period when you moved down here from like what food was like growing up in Massachusetts. Um Oh like, the well, food down here did you just kind of like take to it immediately and really well?
1: See I took to it pretty immediately and pretty well. Uh see that's how you're a food my, person. Yeah, my yeah. my dad was cooking black eyed peas for us on New Year's when I was growing oh, up. Oh wow I didn't know that was a like Southern thing. Southern thing until I moved here. But uh Oh, I always grew up learning to try everything mm-hmm. eat whatever the hell was in front of you. So.
0: Well, I mean, I feel like having constant know. exposure to like New York like yeah. kind of Yeah, yeah. Totally like. I had
1: a I had a decently broad spectrum of weird foods I've eaten mm-hmm. that uh yeah, all the stuff down here it just didn't raise an eyebrow. It was, it was, it was, mm-hmm. just, well, I mean
0: like having like a classical Spanish family and like going back to Spain oh, and yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've eat- I've eaten enough weird pig parts that <laughs> I'm like, not phased by it.
3: No, your your food education was certainly, like, diverse, I feel like, when you were a kid. Um, and I had a really similar experience. Like, my parents didn't work um, back of house. They were both servers um, when they were younger, but they were huge foodies. And so, growing up, like, they always took me and my sister to, like, different restaurants. Like, we ate, like, Indian food and Thai food, and, like, this was in, like, Missouri and then Metairie. So, um, you know, definitely not... Uh, mainstream at the time. Um, But I feel like there are so many kids that, like, don't have that experience. And then that's how you get fucking picky eaters as adults. And I don't stand for that shit. Or
0: I will will put my counter story out there of growing up in the food desert that is Alaska and having two parents who are terrible cooks. I'm sorry, (laughs) Mom. I know it's right after Mother's Day and you're probably going to listen to this. You got, like, like ten good dishes. But, like... Oh. I'm sorry to for it to break this to you. A lot of the food was bad.
3: So you were just like totally out there to like try and improve your. No, I just like had to
0: learn how to cook at like ten.
3: Aw. Oh. in the food desert.
0: Oh. Well, I mean, like I'm coming from like two commercial fishermen, was like it's really hard to fuck up like good Copper River salmon. Mm. Like, so it was like you're just like the food is the ingredients are good. The preparation's not so great, but, like, all of my, like, neighbors and stuff and, like, grew up around in a huge amount of, like, Filipino immigrants and, like, native Alaskans, and it was, like, I could just, like, bring salmon over to their house and it was like, can I just come over here for dinner? Like, I, got, I brought all the ingredients. Can I just eat <laughs> just with you guys?
3: That's so funny. Um, so I know that, you know, you obviously, like, have a very traditional college like background and experience. So you are not like formally trained. No, no, never. See, I am not either. I have only kind of had like on the job experience, although I work in pastry, so it's a little bit of a different animal. Um, But I know I would love to like kind of ask you about, do you feel like people's perception of you has been different at all as someone who doesn't have formal training and is in kind of like a higher position in your kitchen? Or do you feel like that kind of thing just, like, doesn't fucking matter to the people you work with?
1: I feel like it just doesn't really matter that yeah. much. I mean, our industry is so skill-based. That yeah, it, definitely. Y- you could go to school yeah. and be terrible. Oh, and I've yeah. heard enough horror stories from people not wanting to hire culinary grads because of just a lack of experience or, mm-hmm. like, being too stubborn about their own techniques or whatever they learned. But, uh, yeah, no, I've, I've never encountered anything. That it's mm, certainly it seems so. like back of house is uh, if you can do what you're supposed to do, then like no, no one, one cares, cares where you came from,
0: yeah. yeah. And I feel like that's especially true in New Orleans because I come here.
3: I was gonna say, you are formally trained, Jake,
0: yeah, yeah. Right? yeah like, I, uh, <clears throat> I was from W or I graduated from WCI and <clears throat> many years ago, uh, but yeah, like, and it will like. I feel like on the west coast especially growing up in like kind of the food network generation like Mm. it was more important and then like who you knew what like what your grades were in culinary school who were your teachers which ones gave you recommendations in like a super saturated market of like everybody competing against each other like people sabotaging prep just to like get up a station on you (laughs) wow no that was the thing yeah like straight up like I knew guys who would take their prep home with them. They would wrap it up and put it in their car and take it home with them.
3: That is so petty.
0: It's really... It's the, like... That's
3: oh insane. I've never <laughs> experienced anything like it's that. It's
0: so catty. It's... Yeah. Like, I haven't experienced it since I've been down here. I'll yeah. put that Thank out there.
3: Yeah, God. I don't yeah, have right? a car. <laughs> <laughs> Where
2: would well, then I You'd be stuck head?
0: in the pantry forever, Sam.
2: <laughs> worse spots. Just put yeah. it in the yeah. attic with the Fair. AC. <laughs> oh...
0: Yeah, I, like, I haven't experienced anything like that down here. Like, it really is just, like, it mm-hmm. doesn't matter, like, where you're from, what your culture is, like, level of skill seems mm-hmm. to be so much more important than any kind of...
3: Yeah. Well, it's like, there's not really a culinary school. I mean, there is now, I guess. There's one at Nichols, and then they just opened one, like, in New Orleans, but I feel like... Well, it's one got Delgado, well, right? Is there,
0: does yeah,
2: there yeah, yeah, There's yeah,
0: a yeah, yeah. Okay. program got it. Yeah, yeah. I've worked with a couple guys. In yeah, the
1: there's area. enough restaurants here that it exactly. just doesn't matter. If, yeah. if you have the skills, and especially in this city, like knowing people helps. But yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly yeah. if you have the skills to go into a restaurant and just start running right out the gate, then <laughs> the
3: you're, skills you're to fine. pay the bills, yeah. as exactly. it were,
1: <laughs> then you're fine. Well, yes, yeah. Yeah. and
0: like even like even on the west coast, it was like it was based on like those kind of Accolades could get you in the door, but like, if you couldn't cut it, you just couldn't cut it. Like, if you suck at cooking, you're just gonna, <laughs> yeah, gonna get canned.
1: <laughs> it works. We're a school based industry. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
3: Um, where do you feel like you kind of picked up the most technique, like, in your like, experience in kitchens? Was there one kind of uh, job you had that you feel like you can point to and be like, oh, that person was like I such a. I don't think
1: so thing. at all, actually. I think it's a uh, just. Constantly changing and evolving thing where, like, I learned more than I thought I did from my dad growing up. Mm-hmm. So, when I first started in kitchens, I already had a really weird idea of how things were already working. Yeah. So, even just being dish and starting to do some prep, and like, I was living with my friend who's was a at a restaurant, and just yeah. it was like a constant evolution. And I think if I was going to point at one thing, it would be growing up and having my dad just show me what is just wrote basic stuff, like how yeah. you're prepping right, yeah, how you're cutting up onions and stuff,
2: yeah, like, yeah, mm-hmm. and that's you like
1: know, yeah. how to flip a pan, things like that, yeah, totally, but yeah, even with that leg up, it's just every place I go, you're learning learning something, something. Yeah, right. definitely, yeah, I can't pick one person and say they taught me all I know yeah, because and even beyond people, I mean books you read, mm-hmm. if you see something online, if you're invested in this If you're invested in cooking, like, you should be able to pick it up from most mediums you're going to encounter. Whether it's a person showing you in person, or Mm -hmm. a recipe in a book, or a video on YouTube, or whatever it is. As long as you have the basics down, it's all... It's so easy to just put it in
0: place. Well, I'd love your opinion on this. Like, for me, like, I feel like I've learned a ton, especially in in New Orleans, just, like, on how community-based... Like, the... Like, how communal, like, the... The cooking is, and just the eating. It's like, I've never been to a good crawfish boil where I didn't, like, steal something from them. It was like, I'm absolutely adding that mine.
3: Like making a mental (coughs) note of just like, oh, this is something I've never... Oh,
0: yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I agree. Especially with the boil thing. I mean, I can't remember whose it was, but uh, I mean, I've seen all sorts of things going in boils, but someone had a pack of uh, a pre-steamed, frozen uh, Gav, uh dioza. I've seen Ooh. that too. Yeah, never yeah. thought about that. How is that? I was like, just <clears throat> floored. I was like, wow. Of course. Like, yeah. Why not just cook dumplings? This? It makes
0: Dude, sense. Earlier this year, tamales. Game yeah, there you in go. The boil? Tamales and grapefruit oh. in the boil. It was a game changer yeah. for me. Genius. There you go.
3: I know. I remember the first time I saw someone put a uh, pineapple yeah. in a crawfish boil. I am so into that.
0: Well, and since it's the name of our podcast, also <clears throat> hard like highly recommend hard boiled eggs. It's weird, it takes a minute, it kind of hurts your fingers, but it's delicious.
3: You know, I can honestly say I've never thought about that, and I can't believe that I've never thought about that.
0: Yeah, of course.
3: Makes sense. Uh, give it six months, and then someone on the podcast is going to say that that's their favorite way to eat eggs. Yeah, that yeah, no. Crawfish boil <laughs> eggs. Yeah. God damn it. One good crawfish boil season.
0: What is your favorite thing you've really taken away from the service industry that, like, has, like fundamentally changed you in a positive way that like you really feel like has made you just a better person or
3: mm. let's get deep let's get introspective Sam well, I, feel yeah. cool.
1: I had to like pick one thing that working in the service industry has like given me that made me a better person it's uh, I don't know I can drink a lot now <laughs> But, uh, no, no. I, I think there's something to be said for...
3: <laughs> for a high alcohol tolerance. No. <laughs> just,
1: uh, facing a career off, you know, doing something for other people. Yeah. And I think that's... At the end of the day, and you might deal with asshole customers all yeah. day, and it might just be a complete shit show, and you hate your staff, and you hate your clientele, but... Everyone at the end this. of the day, yeah. you're your entire career is doing something for other people and that's sort of good in and of itself Yeah. Like, we're not we're not doctors doing that same sort of thing no you know, it's, you know there's tons of jobs that do things for other people but we're doing it in a very very specialized way that's just you're literally just giving them a meal and trying to make their day better
3: yeah you just want to like make people happy at yeah, the exactly. end of the day exactly
1: and there's something that if you can take pride in that that's it's
3: great. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Sam, for sitting down with us today. After after working a full shift, That's we really fine. appreciate it.
0: And I think uh, we might have to end this podcast on the way we end every shift at work mm-hmm. with a shot of whiskey. Cheers. Cheers.
3: Yes. Thanks for
1: the eggs.
0: You've been listening to How do you like your eggs? It was produced by myself, Jake Lewis, Anna Gowan and Ashley Griffith. This is a production of Cicada Radio. Please visit us at cicadaradio.com to learn more about the shows. Subscribe to our newsletter. We want to pledge your support. We appreciate it. Just glad to see
2: you